I have understood it for millennia, while I was part of the great universal consciousness, before a meager number of carbon-based molecules came together to form this earthly-bound vessel I now inhabit. The memes of production, beyond words, beyond thought, beyond description, unborn, unceasing, the very essence of space, the sphere of collectively self-aware wisdom, home to the mother of memes past, present and future, thus I did once here. The day she melted. The day she melted, she was shouting about how she's told me a thousand times, and I was shouting back, telling her not to shout, when I noticed the dribbles of liquid flesh pouring down her face. She was in such a rage that she barely even noticed, and it wasn't long before she became just a puddle at my feet, leaving me no choice but to weep giant Alice tears until I melted too, mixing with her into one sweet swirling mass. We ran down the stairs, out the front door and down the street, waving at passers-by as we rushed towards the bottom of the hill, with no idea where we were going from here, but at least we were free. Voom and Bloom to whom it may concern, I'm Voom and I'm a liquid. I'm currently floating along a river in Europe. I can swim without mixing in with the water. If I want to, I can climb out and run somewhere else. I run, that's what I do, see, because I'm a liquid. If you spill me out onto your table, I'll form a neat round puddle, no bigger or thicker than your dinner plate. But try to manipulate me in any way and you'll soon discover that I'm not that sort of substance. I cannot be split into separate puddles, even by the most powerful tools. I cannot be frozen. I cannot be heated up and boiled and turned into a gas. At a million degrees, I don't even break a sweat. 
Whatever my conditions, I remain me, only one. Almost. I'm having a conversation with Bloom right now. Bloom is another liquid, living at present on a Pacific island at the top of a tree. Bloom likes bird watching. She's telling me about all the different types of birds she's watched this week and all the strange names she's invented for them, like Pat and Steve. But I'm really not interested. Bloom's a freak. As I swim, I have a memory of being a dolphin with eyes, a tail and a brain. Solid, surrounded by expanses of liquid and with even more liquid on the inside. I remember being happy. I believe this is an artificial memory implanted by a creature with a brain and some level of psychic ability, possibly a dolphin. It's not possible for me to have been a mammal in a former life. I am a liquid. I am not alive. I was not born. I will not die. I have memories of the future, of running into cracks in the ground, exploring the planet's core, bursting out through the top of volcanoes and geysers. I'm looking forward to that. My favourite past memory is of running into a microscopic stream and working my way into the body of a human, extending myself through his internal organs, clambering in and out of his network of veins and capillaries until I could see with his eyes, smell with his nostrils, taste his food, feel his sensations of lovemaking. I enjoyed being a human, but that was just a phase. I got bored after a couple of decades. My least favourite past memory is of running into a sewer, which I couldn't work my way out of for five days. I won't give you details. My least favourite future memory is the quiet after the sun explodes. Bloom's saying how she wants to meet up properly with me so we can be real friends, not just distant communicators. I'm reluctant because I don't have a future memory of meeting Bloom, and anyway, I know what Bloom really wants. She wants to mix with me to combine ourselves into a new kind of liquid. Stronger, more potent. A liquid that will take over the universe. Why would I want to do that? I'm Boom, thank you very much. Boom, boom. I climb out of the river and sliver between blades of long grass. Bloom is going on about something to do with birds in the background. Freak. But I'm not listening. I'm thinking about which animal I'd like to be next. Maybe a dolphin again, or a shark, or a giraffe, or oak tree, or woodlouse. Now I'm stopping as I catch something Bloom is saying on the other side of the world, and realise what's been staring me in the face all this time. I want to defy gravity. I want to have wings. I have a new project, a fresh sense of purpose. Already I can see what the sea looks like from above in a newly formed future memory. I make my way half a mile across the grass to the cluster of trees. I climb one, almost to the top, locate a bird's nest, slink inside, wait. Bloom, the genius. In all this time I've never thought, but of course, I... no. I've done this before. I've had these feelings before. I've been a bird before. I've forgotten about it before. Over and over. I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And now I'm panicking because this is what happens when you've only got a rudimentary consciousness. And as with every attack of this kind, I am unable to handle the situation and fall asleep. I'm having a dream about being a human. My name is Steve and I live in Birmingham, England. I work for the Royal Mail. I don't have many friends or a girlfriend or a family around me because my family is in Belfast. I moved over from Belfast for the change and the work. I enjoy my work. I get up very early to go to the depot and sort the mail for delivery. I take my time with it as I haven't yet got used to where all the streets are and still carry a map. The blokes who work on my line have all been doing it for years and hardly need to look as they toss their letters and parcels at lightning speed into their allocated wooden slots. I enjoy this time being part of a group of people and we chat about the football. I avoid politics even when they're discussing something trivial like the buses or the foreigners. 
The rest of my working day is made up of pushing a bike with a sack of mail in and out of still unfamiliar streets in all weathers. Usually it stays fine, which surprises me, as people complain about the rain all the time, yet it happens so rarely. In the evenings, I sit in my rented flat and watch TV, maybe phone home to see how they're doing, see if they fancy coming over to see me, or look for a place themselves. Sometimes I'll go out for a pint with a few of the boys from work, but I've not yet got the money to go out too often, and what with having to get up early in the morning, I don't like staying out late. We have a laugh, we watch the football and the passing girls. Sometimes people ask me in hushed tones about the troubles, but there's nothing I can say. I just make a joke of it. Postman Pat, they call me, because I'm Irish, even though I'm called Steve, and I haven't got anyone in my family called Patrick, or any friends called Patrick. I'm called Steve. I awake again, waiting for the bird to arrive, thinking about how maybe I've got Bloom all wrong. I try to speak to her, but she's asleep. Maybe when the bird comes, it'll fly to the Pacific and Bloom can watch and I can call, look, it's me, Boom, I mean the bird. It's peaceful up here. Every night, I pour myself two drinks, because I don't own a large enough cup to hold the amount I want, so I separate. They both have the same flavour swirling inside, the same measure, the same colour, the same taste, and before long, beads of sweat form on both. To look at them stood beside me, tall tumblers, you might think, he's waiting for someone, a Chekhov's gun for an invisible drinker. No greasy lip pattern smears the rim, only my fingerprints gum the clarity of their transparency, as I place them side by side next to my seat. Sheer laziness. I don't want to have to make another, so I make two to divide, then rule my thirst, and one after the other, they're both found empty. of production has received our first listener email. It's from someone called Joe, and it says, Dear the creators of the memes of production, I'm just writing to tell you that this podcast could be the worst I've ever heard. The other night I was scrolling through iTunes, looking for a podcast on either memes or communism, and from the sound of your title, I thought I had struck gold. However, your show featured little to no communism or discussions of meme culture, just loads of weird, boring music and some strange voices. Rest assured I will never ever listen again, and will warn my many friends and business associates to stay away too. Yours sincerely, Joe. Well, Joe, to you, I say... Listen, you son of a what the f**k's your problem? You wanna sit here and say that I'm a goddamn f**king Russian? You get in my face with that, I'll beat your goddamn ass, you son of a you piece of you f**king goddamn f**ker. Listen, kid, you go f**king cross the line, get that through your goddamn Getting off on it. Sitting in the aisle seat on a Ryanair flight, I'm sharing an armrest with the man to my right. He's buying miniatures from the flight attendant, reaching across my face to pay, his rolled up checkered shirt sleeve almost touching my nose. With his friend he's drinking quickly and speaking loudly in a language I don't understand. The air is short and the man's movements cause his bare forearm to brush against mine as he lifts the plastic cup to his lips, opens another bottle, leans to look out of the window, 
turns again to check the trolley's progress up the aisle. All the while, his skin and its downy covering skimming mine in an oblivious caress. Up against the outside. The difference between the inner and the outer thigh is almost unimaginably great. As I sit next to him, being up against his outer thigh is like being outside his house rather than being inside it, or like being outside his mind rather than inside it. The inner thigh though is not enclosed like his house or his mind. In fact, with his knees apart like that, he exposes all of it right there for everyone to see. Yet getting to it seems to be just as difficult as getting into his home or his thoughts. It teases me with its visibility. Ghost. She's standing waiting at the junction. There's a silver Mercedes stationary at the white line with its blinkers on. The driver gets out of the car, walks around it, gets back in and turns the ignition, producing a skipping sound. He gets out again, leans his elbows on the roof and puts his head in his hands. His suit and smart shoes are of no help here. Cars move around him. The green man appears, but instead of crossing, she goes over to the stationary vehicle, stands before the bonnet and says, Do you want help pushing it into that car park? Nodding in the direction of the entrance behind him. As she finishes her question, another man comes over and says, You want a hand, mate? And the driver replies, That'd be great. She and the man help push while the driver steers from outside the vehicle, leaning in awkwardly through the open door. Once they get the car moving, it picks up speed. Just as it occurs to her that the driver's backward step might not keep up, he trips and for a moment it looks like he might go down. He manages to right himself and nervously says to the other man, I caught myself on the door. He says other things like, the fuel gauge is wonky, and it just conked out on me. They manoeuvre the car into a parking space, and she feels relieved in the knowledge that the driver will be able to leave it here while he goes about his day. As they turn to go, the driver says to the other man, thanks mate, and the man replies, no bother. draws on multiple registers, autobiographical, clinical, sociological, poetical, philosophical and political. Memes of productions about the sounds of words and not their meaning. Face down, fighting to surface from a mattress with an abnormally high quagmire rating. And all around the perimeter are furious eggs, screaming threats of mass deportation, screaming God bless the centre ground, screaming God bless the Overton window, screaming God bless the hostile environment, and we just want to wake up. But we are being haunted. Or... Perhaps we are haunting. Face down, 
crushed by a blanket made of avalanche, and lurking grim in every corner are the grey ghosts of Albion, moaning about snowflakes, moaning keep calm and post dog shit through a Polish family's letterbox, moaning keep calm and sell weapons to literally any fucker no matter how awful, moaning keep calm and bully trans people to suicide, moaning keep calm and half a million dead Iraqis, moaning, 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 good moaning Britain. We asked the doctor, why can't we wake up? Why are we dying? And the doctor says, we are dying of England. That pressure is England. The stalking shadow, chill mist and dead moss and sharp cobbles is England. Breath stale as a crypt. All of us trapped together in England's most ruthlessly authentic cafe. Diana beaming from every surface, builder's tea on tap, and all around the room the salt of the earth murmur green and pleasant, murmur fair play, murmur blitz spirit, murmur mushy peas. And we wake up, screaming park life, screaming era 404, screaming country not found, constitutionally unable to breathe. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to present one of America's best-selling authors, and uh, you mention this woman's name and you're in for a very vigorous conversation, especially among her untold, uncounted numbers of followers. Here is philosopher Ayn Rand, Ms. Rand. Millions of Americans uh, really were introduced to Ayn Rand in The Fountainhead, 1943. Atlas Shrugged, 1957. Still selling worldwide. You are something. Uh, I think so. You do think so? Yeah. But You're tired I'm... of all this aw shucks humility. That's phony, you think, huh? That's right. I'm invited to be unpleasant at uh, the expense of Ayn Rand. <laughs> and, and, and objectivism. Well, that's easy. I care very much about literature as the, as the place where the real dilemmas, ethical dilemmas are met and, and dealt with. So to have novels as transcendently awful as uh, The Shrug and The Fountainhead sort of undermines my project. Oh, Ayn Rand, won't you take me by the hand and lead us to the promised land where we will all read your best book, The Virtue of Selfishness, a new concept of egoism. But we'll read it separately in our own time as unique individuals not as a collective, never as a collective. Socialism is cancer. Liberty and selfishness are true freedom and man's natural state of being. Let me be objectivist for just one minute. Ayn Rand, I think I love you. The question isn't who is going to let me, it's who is going to stop me. Nobody, that's who. No big government can stop me declaring my love for you, Ayn Rand. And even though you spit in my face and throw heavy objects at me from the window of your six-story apartment, I know that's just your way of showing affection. Oh, Ayn Rand, let me be your fountainhead.
The following is an exploration of the on-set beefs between the key actors of the Fast and the Furious films. The Fast and Furious franchise has, to date, grossed over $5 billion. There are currently eight films and one spin-off, with a ninth installment set to be released next year. But behind the scenes has not always been smooth sailing. On April the 10th, 2017, Vanity Fair reported, During the last week of Fast and the Furious 8 filming, The Rock broke the news that not all was well in the Furious family with an Instagram post. He hashtagged the post Zero Tolerance for Candy Asses, thereby bestowing the kerfuffle with its rightful name, the Candy Ass Feud. The full post read, Some conduct themselves as stand-up men and true professionals, while others don't. The ones that don't are too chicken shit to do anything about it anyway, candy asses. Vanity Fair went on to speculate, Who is said candy ass was the mystery of the day. Vin Diesel, along with Jason Statham, Kurt Russell and Tyrese Gibson could have each been implicated. Goldcast.com reported, Speculation was rampant that Dwayne was criticising Vin and the roar only grew louder when he posted another photo that thanked members of the Fast Fam, except Vin. Vanity Fair also wrote, August 10th, 2016, Two days later, everything is fine, it's fine, The Rock wrote in another Instagram caption. Family is going to have differences of opinion, the actor wrote. To me, conflict can be good when it's followed by great resolution. August the 11th, 2016. A groggy Vin Diesel celebrates the end of filming and then takes a severe 90 degree turn, ending the story with a serious sounding. So give me a second and I will tell you everything, everything. Diesel's defensive words seem to implicate himself as the candy ass. He never delivered on his promise, but it kept the wound open. Goldcast.com reported, For his part, Vin dismissed the feud as two alphas butting heads. But reports flew that Dwayne was late to set and that the two refused to film scenes together on the fate of the Furious. As Vin Diesel said, it's not always easy being an alpha, and it's two alphas. Being an alpha is sometimes a pain. As someone who is something of an alpha male myself, I can heavily relate. It's hard enough with just one alpha, but two alphas together? Now you're asking for trouble. Emily Manuel best summed up this tale of celebrity egos. The resolution of their candy-ass feud is a reminder that we should face conflict head-on and grow from it however we can. Backing down from your conviction is a very different thing from backing down from your pride. Without ego and unresolved resentment weighing you down, you'll be able to rise higher and faster than you ever have before. Instagram post 4th of July. I'm jumping headfirst into my sugar and tequila holiday weekend. Laughing emoji, cake emoji, whiskey emoji. Considering the year 2020 has already been for us, we've earned ourselves some decadent satisfaction. This holiday weekend, 
every day will be my cheat day. Laughing emoji, face palm emoji. Enjoy your family's fireworks and cheat meals, my friends. Salud. Whiskey emoji, cake emoji, boom emoji. Hashtag don't cheat yourself. Hashtag treat yourself. Hashtag nom nom nom. Hello. Congratulations. Greetings to you and your household. We are glad to inform you that your name and email is among the few selected beneficiaries to be paid in your country currency the sum of three million US dollars as a certified lucky winner and beneficiary of the United Nations Trust Fund 2020 Act of 2020 Workers, Pensionees, Retiree and Disabled Financial Support. The UN Trust Fund is currently accepting applications for multi-year grants under the Spotlight Initiative for specific countries. The UN Trust Fund received 1,301 applications from 109 countries and territories for a total value requested amounting to 528 million US dollars. Your winning number is UNTF0204. Keep it safe and away from anybody's access or reach as your winning number is your confidential number to redeem your prize after verification. Get back with below details for payment clarification. Name on ID. Country, occupation, phone, next of kin, age, home address. Good luck, as we hope to receive above information so we can proceed further. Your attention, I am Captain Larry Shannon Williams, Army officer with the U.S. military and currently in Baghdad with the Combat Support Squad, U.S. Base Camp, Spaceship, Baghdad, Iraq. I need you to help receive some funds concealed in two trunk boxes awaiting shipment proceedings here in Baghdad. I will provide you with more details upon receipt of your response on how we'll realize the safe shipment of these boxes without breach of the law. I'm not using this proposal to solicit for money whatsoever. I do not need your money. Rather, everything will be handled from here for a safe delivery to your mailing or delivery address in your location as would be designated by you. I look forward to hearing from you at your convenience. Regards, Captain Larasha Williams, Baghdad, Iraq.
as the snow flies as the snow who gave you a second thought. I totally forgot about you. Until my own neighbor started panicking, forcing me to face the facts as I held her, shivering and crying through the night. I thought of my parents, my grandparents, my sisters and brothers already ill. I thought of myself in an empty shop and my neighbors feeling precious about their food. I watched TV. I sat in silence. And then, a song. A song from beneath the earth. A song of hope. A new dawn. A chance to wake up for all humanity. <laughs> my tears together with a belly laugh, erupted from my core, like the final call from our dear mother, a roar, so deep nobody can turn a deaf ear, so beautiful, so raw, speaking louder than any research movie or ad, any performance or petition. It's time to play together. It's time to take care of us, the earthlings. We have the power. We have the technologies, we are love, we are kindness. We just need to remember priorities. Jadis, notre nature n'était pas ce qu'elle est à présent, elle était bien différente. D'abord, il y avait trois espèces d'hommes et non deux comme aujourd'hui. Le mâle, la femelle et outre ces deux-là, une troisième composée des deux autres. Le nom seul en reste aujourd'hui, l'espèce a disparu. C'était l'espèce androgyne qui avait la forme et le nom des deux autres, mâle et femelle, dont elle était formée. Aujourd'hui, elle n'existe plus, ce n'est plus qu'un nom décrié. Quatre mains, autant de jambes, deux visages tout à fait pareils sur un cou rond, et sur ces deux visages opposés, une seule tête, quatre oreilles, deux organes de la génération, et tout le reste à l'avenant.
silk purse. If they haven't managed to find the man of their dreams at age 36, 37, then why not freeze their eggs? It makes sense, the virgin boss said, massaging his scrotum, spermatosa bulging, virile still at 66. If she hasn't found the man of her dreams at age 36, 37, this corporate intervention is sick. If she hasn't managed to find the man of her dreams, the procedure's basically IVF, which has 40% success rate for women under 35 and 15% at 40. Sure as eggs is eggs, there's no guarantee. If she hasn't found the man of her dreams, she should stop dreaming, button up in a three-piece and buckle down, strap on to smash glass ceilings, wave that dick, stop having feelings and wave your right to parenthood. Frozen urges stir up surge for a corporate good. Gone those days of making a silk purse from a sow's ear, now reclaimed ovarian tissue delays instincts, intimate years. If she hasn't found the man of her dreams, she's showing her age. Anticipated gamete exhaustion. She should engage her silk purse for this amoral, greedy extortion. Fill the pro forma nursey needles, your empty purse. What dilemma, slick diversion, is it self-determination or employer exploitation? Never mind obstetric violence. Never mind extractions, bioethics, or the fact that there's no metrics. It makes sense. Whole greased, penal emulation, patriarchal pressure, pivot, cash, sow, prime profit, stop clocks, de-sex, fake agency injected, evolve to fit around a desk. Side effects glossy, obfuscated risks, board member parity adorned in pelvic cysts. It makes sense. Deposit, disperse, pay up silk purse, fold open. Show us your business acumen. Get creamed off liquid nitrogen. Never mind reproductive politics. What a load of bollocks. It makes sense to freeze them early, Branson reflects. Brandishing his favourite pair of platinum-plated forceps. If you haven't found the man of your dreams, don't be petrified, just vitrify your hard-won silk-spun supply. Frozen fears of rotten eggs and pig's ears. Are we having it all or are we commodified once again?
Did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They fill them with their metal knives. All them for 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. For mash, get smash. Takes my wife. Got friends round. Got roast pork for lunch. Plenty of taste, British pork. Real value for money. Friends got plenty. Arthur's got plenty. We've all got plenty. Plenty to go round. My wife's got what it takes. British pork. What's it got? It's got the lot. Was it sitcom? Was it drama? It was more of a dramedy. It was yeah. based on Harvard Law School. It was a dramedy. I, I've written a couple comedies, uh, kind of hour-long dramedies for, uh, you know, spec script. And, and have they been bought? Uh, no. Let's talk a little bit about uh, where your career has been. You, of course, you were you were a headline guy, and then headline guy. You know what I mean? For a while, you popped out. Now you're coming back. For a while, for a while, you were actually running. You were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you running a gym at some point? To be a news guy, where you getting your bucket That's our research. You aren't. You aren't. Ridiculous! I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? No, no, running a gym. What, no, you, you need a workout or something? Jesus fucking Christ, with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds, and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank you very much. You, that you, you know what, go back. fuck yourself, you know what? All right. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney. And we'll be back in just a moment. Fill you in on the Art Carney situation. The thing with me is that I am smart, and I'm smart, I'm self-smarted, basically, by myself, basically from nature and smoking drugs and doing different things, I've self-learned self myself, and that's the whole difference, I guess, is that I don't need the books or the, the schooling type things. I just get everything on my own, and because of that, I'm alive right now. I mean, if I read more books or tried to go on to college or different things like that, I'd be dead right now, because people say books and college are for to be to make you smarter, but they can also be for to be to get you dead, which is what could happen to me. My brain doesn't use enough oxygen because I don't have the whole thing filled with different stuff. And if it was full, it's only part full, and that's why I'm alive right now. Guards are getting here. Hey, can you read this book? Try to get smarter. I'm like, all right, I'll pretend to read it, but I'm not going to really read it because then my brain will be more full. And if I have another heart attack, I'm going to die. This is what it looks like. Look at this. This looks like a city, like a little model of a city. And all the houses which are here and streets. And here are all the wires, these wires, they really take care, take care of all the electrons when they come through here. They, they, they take care of that they are powerful enough to get all the way through here. I read that in a Danish book this morning. And this beautiful television has put me, like I said before, in all sorts of situations. I remember being very scared to it because an Icelandic poet told me not like in cinemas, but, but this is different. This is millions and millions of little screens who, who send uh, um, some sort of electrical light. I'm not really sure, but because there's so many of them, and in fact, you're watching very, very many frames when you're watching TV. You, your head is very busy all the time to, to uh, calculate and put it all together into one picture. 
and and then because you're so busy doing that you don't watch very carefully what what the program that you're watching is really about so you become hypnotized so all that's on tv it just goes directly into your brain and you stop judging if it's right or not so you just swallow and swallow this is what an icelandic poet told me once and i became so scared to television that i always got headaches when i watched it but then later on when i got my danish book on television i stopped being afraid because i i read the truth fascinated in the first place by the by the medium of films itself um, if you'd care to have me go into this I, I shall I'd like you to um, it seems to me that films are closer to the thought process than uh, than even writing even letters um, the the succession of pictures is flows uh, in a well-made film almost as one's own thoughts flows. I've often thought that it was as though the, the camera was behind one's eyes and, and uh, uh, one's own eyes projected onto the screen what one wished to see. Deep and warmed like the Pacific Ocean, come swimming. I'm soft and warm, creamy and succulent, sweet and tasty, come eat me. My voice is soft, my flesh is warm, come take me. I'm juicy and tender, come bite me. Cross a road, kiss a toad, ride a goat, sail a boat, climb a tree, dig a hole, empty your mind, fill your soul. I'm a sentient DVD. Please watch me, lost under the influence of Mary Jane. Then place me on the shelf with my brothers and sisters. If you stand close to them and listen closely, you can hear them singing in harmony. The ceasingless, the arisingless, the endingless, the lastingless, the oneless, the multipleless, the comingless, the goingless, peaceful, interdependent origination that quells conceptual proliferation. designed in line with certain principles to do with the entrainment of your brainwaves. 
using various carefully selected frequencies that your mind will naturally fall in step with through repetition. This is thought to have the capability to alter temporarily the state of our mind that we might collectively attain an objectively useful mode of consciousness. There is no religious dimension, no need for belief. We simply find a place in ourselves to explore our real desires, our true will. Speak. 